Welcome to Time Sync. This is episode 147. I'm co-host Amodip. And I'm co-host Hamza. That's too much energy. Calm down. No, we need more energy. You need energy. You didn't have your coffee this morning. Uh, I hate coffee. Chai, my bad. Cha, cha, ja. <laughs> no one's going to understand why you say it so weirdly. That's in Punjabi. There you go. Done. It was close to in Punjabi, yes. Okay, so Amodip, say the real pronunciation. Ja. That's exactly what I said, man. Please. Someone look at the waveforms. <laughs> You're going to be like in the editing bay, just like analyzing your sound waves and mine. So a quick follow-up regarding the Spider-Verse thing. Just because it was like, it was so perfectly timed where right when that episode went out, or at least the day the episode went out, the creators of Spider-Verse explained why there are different versions. For those who didn't listen to the previous episode or the previous previous episode, I guess. What happened was when Spider Verse came out in theaters, there were, as we can tell, two cuts. But this is specifically were... for across Spider Verse, right? Yeah, across Spider Verse, specifically across Spider Verse, the new one, not into the Spider Verse. So, there, as far as you could tell, there were two cuts of across the Spider Verse with like minor changes, mostly minor, depending on how much you want to fight about what's considered minor. But definitely nothing plot sensitive. Well, one of our like there was a video that we linked, and one of our friends uh, showed that there was this one scene that he felt like made a big difference. And I feel like it made a big difference too. Like it was not just a normal. Like it, it was, changes the feel of the scene. Yeah, it it completely does. Like you know, someone's like it's it's not like someone's caring for someone, and then all of a sudden it's like it's gone. So it's like, eh. But yeah, so basically, people are wondering why there are two versions, and then like recently the digital version of the movie came out. You can buy it on digital now, and people are pouring through that, and they realize that the digital version there's only one digital version. So there isn't like two versions of digital or something. It's not like. They, it seemed like they were going for this gimmick of like, oh, it's a multiverse movie, so there's multiverse versions of the Does movie. Did anyone ever think they were actually doing that? I thought they were, honestly. It Man. seems like a thing that they would do. That's crazy. They'd have to have more changes if they were going to do it like that, though. No, no, I think this is like, this is the, 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 I feel like the changes that occurred were the maximum amount of changes you could make without altering the movie to the point where it feels like a different movie. Except for that one change that you're referring to, which is like, the, if you know, like, the, all right, all right. the character saying no, 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 no. That's, like, different. But, no, it seems like if we finally got an answer, is what I'm alluding to here, where the producers actually said, like, hey, here's the explanation. People are asking a lot about this. Here's why it happened. Basically, apparently, before the movie came out in theaters, they have to send a, an international cut out to, like, a bunch of different places so that they can review it for, like, rating boards and stuff. And censorship, then they can tweaks. Yeah, censorship, most likely. Right? Even then, like, I think probably it's also involved in, like, the, uh, the rate, the, what's it called? The dubbing or something. Cause like, you know, like for oh, example, yeah, yeah. the, uh, in Incredibles, like the original Incredibles, if you know the scene where Mr. Incredible, uh, logs into the computer and sees what the actual plan is, like what's going on on the island on the screen, it says the word terminated over all the failed experiments, the yeah. word terminated, but in the international cut, they just have a red cross going like a red line going across them diagonally mm, okay so it's slightly different and i guess the idea is that they wanted to get rid of the word terminated because that would only make sense in an english context can't just like write their word in there oh i guess it was easier to like okay there's the american version which has the word terminated and then there's the international version used everywhere else which just has like a red line going across the experiment space okay so that way you know if it's spanish it works. If it's French, it works. Yeah. Except for that one country that's like, wait, red line through it? That's a great thing. What's going on here? 
Of course, of course, yes. Culture is so diverse. I assume it's something like that too. Like if if a comp if they're like, hey, can you get rid of this word or something, on like a, a major sign or something. I'm not sure about exactly how it works, but they basically they had to get the movie out before they were basically quote unquote done with it. So that's the one that has all of the the non digital version changes. If that makes sense. So. That's the wow, cut. That... You, you confused me again. Okay. So okay, wait. Then... So so before the movie actually finished, they sent this cut version. Basically, out. yeah, yeah. Basically, it was like ninety percent of ninety nine percent of the way there. So that 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 I don't know, let's call it alpha version. That alpha yeah. version is that the digital version now? No, that's the thing. It's not. But it so, was the theatrical version. Yeah, it's the one that went out to theaters first. Then, between like it, apparently it had to go out like. A couple months out so like a decent chunk of time yeah the international version was made almost two months before the movie came out because it had to be translated into different languages and these french censors i don't know why it's besides french these french censors have to decide what the reign of the movie is in europe you know you know what's kind of weird to me though it's like okay so your movie is not completed yet but that's yep. the one that's in the theaters yep shouldn't it be the completed movie or are you like that kind of makes it makes it you know, full package you actually want to sell it through you know, digital media or whatever else. You don't care about theater release then. Because so, then not what it feels like. Because shouldn't... If I'm making a story, I wouldn't give them an alpha product. I would give them the actual final, like, as best as I could. It feels like... It, yeah, honestly, that's, that's how I kind of feel about it too. Where it just feels like... So, you're giving the theater the worst version? Yeah. But I guess the, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, we want the movie to come out on the same day everywhere. That's just what it comes down to. So, it seems like in America, we got like the final cut so basically in those in those are two months between we? well uh most theaters got the because like we watched the opening weekend and we saw the digital version so obviously it was in some theaters day one or at least day two when we watched it in america oh hang on so the movie that we watched in theaters is the final version is the digital version yeah the, the one that went to digital the final all Did the, the alpha version added. even go in theaters in america in America, I'm not sure because like all the all the con- discourse online about this, no one specifying the country they watched it in. They're just like, "Hey, here's a change I found. Here's a change I found," and they show like a clip of the changes. But as far as I can tell, no one's saying like, "Hey, this is a this cut, this theater cut is from this country or this country." But so, for example, you and I, if I watched the digital version today, it would be the exact same as the, the- theatrical version, probably. Based off my memory of the theatrical version, yes. Okay, okay, that's interesting to know. But and that's also the you're final. You're like, version. oh sweet, I got the good version. Nice. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that that's it. I can't say anything else about it. But but you're saying other countries, so it's specifically a country problem. Then other countries, it seems to be more of an international issue. Yeah. But is it not? So no, the theaters in America got an alpha version. I'm sure there were some that probably did. I'm sure like they got the updated one like a couple days late. It got to them a couple days late. I don't know exactly because like okay, so. International versions went out two months early. So they got the version that was two months away from finishing. So internationally, they may have gotten like a super old one. And basically, apparently they were going through and they were finishing up, tweaking some scenes here and there. Nothing major, like we said, tweaking. But then some people were like, hey, wouldn't it be funnier or wouldn't it be better if we did this change instead of this? Like the example I gave was like, instead of the character going for a fist bump, he leans in for a selfie. Right. Right, it's like it's a different, it's a completely different animated scene, but it's short enough, and it doesn't make enough of a difference to the plot for it to be super important. But they feel like it, it fits the character better. 
And so then that's the one that ends up being the final cut. They have those two months extra to work on those scenes and get those out. I feel like you should finish your product, then uh-huh. send it for release to wherever sensor board. And then after that, you can't work on it again. Sorry, it's done. And you, you want to be picture locked. Then. Yeah, because like, I mean, come on. This is, this is like, yo, we got two more months. Let's work on this. Uh, it's too late now. I'm sorry. I am trying to think what the... Uh... Well, they should have played it. So that's what they said. They should have played it off like, ha, it's a movie verse. We got you. Hilarious. They really just said, yeah, by the way, international cut might be. Yeah, they just said, like, they didn't, as far as I can tell, they didn't try to even pretend like, hey, this is actually a multiverse thing we were playing into. No, no, no. It was just like, the, the version of the movie you saw was like an older version that wasn't finished yet. Well, okay. well, it's kind of anticlimactic, I'll be honest with you. But hey, yeah. at least we got the answer. Exactly. At least we know, which is way better. Although it's kind of funny because I don't think I would have ever even known about this unless you told me. Because this never came up on my radar at all. And oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't remember okay. the difference if I was watching the movie. Unless I like really saw a scene I was like, wait a minute. Did he do yeah, that? I, honestly, I was just convinced myself that I was just crazy. <laughs> Dude, that thing, when I, I remember when we watched the movie or when we saw it and I he- first heard about the changes, I was looking at the comparisons of bef- which before and after ones. Like the, I guess back, because back then it was, they were still both in theaters. So back then we thought there were two theatrical cuts. Yeah. And I was looking at the differences. I'm like, I'm not sure which one of these I actually saw. Yeah. And, hard to tell. and people in the comments were like, oh, I think there's actually a third cut. That's like a mixture of the two, actually. Like, it has some of the changes in one of the cuts, but some of the changes in the other cut. Which, as far as I can tell, doesn't. It, it, that's completely wrong. That shape just didn't happen. But I was convinced I was one of those people for a while there. World so that's how minor place. these changes are. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Watch Cross Spider-Verse. Watch it. It's good. Don't hold your breath for the next one, though. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a while. The World Cup just finished. That's right. The FIFA World... No, I'm kidding. The, the Chess World Cup. <laughs> Everyone I, never, I actually never thought about that. Like the, the World Cup is so synonymous with the soccer one. The yeah. football one. That if you just say World Cup, people are going to default to soccer. It's the world, the world Cup is just so synonymous with the football one. Yeah, yeah. And even when I first heard World Cup, I was confused. Too. I was like, wait, there's a chess World Cup? What does that mean? So, because uh, uh, there's, there's a World Championship. Everyone knows about that. I mean, that's pretty much in every sport. But there's also a World Cup. What does World Cup mean? Well, there's a bajillion players. Like, I mean, there's a lot of players. Like, at least 150 or 200 or whatever players. And they're all from different countries. Okay, so that's what makes it a World Cup. And the format is volatile. So it's like, you play a game. Uh, you play two games. So you play white and black. And if you if you if you win the two games, you you advance. And if you lose one and you win one, you have to play tiebreakers. And if you draw both, you play tiebreakers. And the tiebreakers are in rapid format, so it's no longer classical. So it's like it's like you have less time to play. And then if you win those, and so if they draw again, then you go into smaller time control. If you if you draw those, you go into smaller time controls until you blah 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 all the way down to Armageddon or something. I don't actually I actually don't know what happens if you go all the way down to the end. But whatever. Someone is going to win. They're like, someone's going to win. And they go to the next round. Generally, what happens is you play like a Swiss format or even not even a Swiss, like a round robin or something. Like, you have chances to keep going. Maybe if you lose, okay. maybe the loser's bracket. But you have chances to keep going. But this in this format, if you get knocked out, you're out. Okay, so it's pure knockout, basically. 
Yeah, and because of this, a lot of uh, different people end up winning or start start accumulating, and some big like names, big shots, they get knocked out early, and it's kind of like, dang, this is just kind of the you know part of the game. If you if you if you if you come in one day and you're not feeling the best, then well, that's too bad. Yeah, there's no way to make up for a bad day. So some people, this is a great format. And for others, this is not so great because they, they rely on multiple consistent victories, right? I guess this is one format that it it punishes you if you aren't... I guess I should say it helps you if you aren't consistent. Yes. If like some days you're doing great and some days you do poorly and you just happen to get the great days on the days of your matches, then you're set. So there's there's this, um like I've seen some names like there's a guy called Vidit I don't remember his last name he's an Indian uh, GM and he did he did pretty good in the, in the previous years but he's not really that well known I mean he's still pretty good actually obviously but he's not that well known and but he did really well so some people are saying like, these are it's very good for him his strategy like tip to, to play uh most big headshot names attended this event except for. Uh, out of the big ones, Ding Liren didn't attend. Ding Ding has been like on hiatus for a second. I think he's just relaxing, uh, you know. After after winning the candidates, after, after winning candidates, and no, not candidates. The, also, the World Chess Championship, but oh, um, right. and also Ariza Feroja was missing, which is surprising, but not really that surprising. He's you know he's a fashion designer now, and uh, you know some maybe some a few other people, but most of the super GM juniors were there. And that's kind of what people are really hyping for. So out of them, there are four super Indian GMs that were there. And this is like their first big... I mean, it's not their first one. But it's like one of their big, like big headshots to get in. Um, so the big names of these are like uh, Arjun Arigaisi. A lot of top GMs say he's an amazing player. So they're like waiting for him. But he's not been so too successful in recent times. He's still an amazing player. But obviously, you know, that's not in recent times. Gukesh D. He is the highest rated Indian GM player. He actually... The first time in like I don't know how many years. Like 20 years or whatever. Beat... Was Jonathan Anand's rating? So it's kind of like, dang. Ooh. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of a just like passing the torch, if you will. And then there's Pragnananda, uh, who's really famous right now. He's doing really well. He actually was the lowest out of all his peers, and that's simply because he didn't play that many tournaments. I don't know why. He just didn't. But because of that he was heavily underrated, and he gained like I don't know, like 200 elo in just like a month of playing or something. It was something crazy. And then the fourth one is Vidit, and uh, he also did pretty good, but he. Um, Historically, he does well, but we'll see what happens. Actually, he did he did pretty well this one too. Okay, anyways, doesn't really matter the details. Um, big upsets though. Nordirbeck Abdusatorov, he's also another uh, junior GM, and there's Vincent Kamer from Germany. I'm sure there's more, but these two that I've known mainly, they were also heavy hitters. Gukesh, I mean not Gukesh. Uh, Abdusatorov got knocked out the first round, so that was actually kind of crazy. I was like, because this is the thing, it's a very brutal game mode. He just got knocked out. Unfortunate. Um, it was kind of funny, but uh, whatever. He got he got knocked out, and then Vincent Kamer. They all they kept kept going. Vincent Kamer got knocked out by Magnus Carlsen, but he did manage to beat Magnus Carlsen one game, which is kind of like, well, yeah, I should beat Magnus Carlsen. It's still pretty impressive. So there you go. Um, skipping through the rest. At the end, all four of these Indian GMs were still in the, the semifinals, if you will. I don't actually. I think the semifinals. Or quarters, one of those. They're all in. Mm. So I told you how good, how robust they are. Uh, and it was funny because they were saying like Arjun, Erigaisi, and Pragnananda are like really good friends, like off the, you know, off the, off the board. And uh, <laughs> is that an actual phrase? Are you just making that up? No, I'm saying yeah, off the board and over the board, right? Uh, off the board. But uh, but then they had to fight against each other in like this in one of the semifinals, and like you know someone has to win. It's kind of like 
just is what it yeah. is. Brutal. Brutal, yeah. And Fabiano Caruana was also doing really well. Um, but a lot of other people were getting knocked out left and right. So, at the end of the day, uh, Fabiano Caruana got knocked out by Pragnananda. Hikaru Nakamura got knocked out by Pragnananda. So, obviously, these guys doing really well. And Fabiano became, at the end, I'm just saying the results, he got third place. So, Fabiano Caruana, third place. He's the second highest rated player, got third place. Okay, checks out. The fourth place player is a guy called Nijad Abasov. And he's a little bit of controversy. I'm not going to mention that, but he did pretty well. He did he did surprisingly well for his rating. Just stay like that. Uh, and then there's Pragnananda, who came in second, losing to Magnus Carlsen at the end. So Magnus Carlsen came in first. I think uh, it's important to note that uh, this dude's 18. Yeah, Pragnananda is 18 years old. Well, also, any any uh, junior GM, they're all under 20 or 20 or under. Close to 20. So very what does... Because I, I remember we talked about like women GMs. What yeah. does junior GM mean? Is it the same title as GM, but you're also a junior, or is it like yeah, it's the same different... exact title as GM. You're a GM, official GM, but we call them juniors just because they're just because they're younger. Just to emphasize the fact that they're young. Yeah, because it's a really so important. So it's not like young. woman GM, where somehow yeah, yeah, that yeah, actually yeah. is a worser title. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, but I, I would say I, I, I we don't want to go back to the woman GM thing, but I was thinking like there is a benefit of being a of having woman GM because like if there were no women GMs. Or if that wasn't a title, then there would never be a tournament specifically for women, and then you would never see women in any tournaments, like any open or I mean any closed tournaments, because no one would invite them. Their rating is too low. So it's mm. kind of one of those things where if a girl, I mean this is what I'm thinking, if a girl doesn't see other women play chess, she's less inclined. She might to, feel yeah more maybe intimidated or just feel awkward. And she might not just want to play it. Like why would I play chess if no one if no girls are playing it? That's a that's a that's a valid thing to think about. So then they have okay, they have a woman event. Now now a girl can see and be like, oh well she's playing, so I can play. It's just one of those things, right? So I can sort of see anyways, we're not getting back to that I'm just, I'm just, just just thought about it for a second. Um but anyways, Magnus won and I, I just thought it was funny because I was listening to the C Square podcast by you know Caruana and he was mentioning that in the first day it was this by the way happened in Baku. Uh was it Kazakhstan or Azerbaijan? I have to check this now. Oh, okay. It's Azerbaijan. It happened in the capital of Azerbaijan, Baku, and um, it just known. I don't. There's a lot of great chess players from Azerbaijan. Don't ask me why. Uh, okay. So Fabiano Caruana was in his podcast, and he mentioned that you know he was in the gym, and because these guys have to condition the body. Trust me, the body is really important for chess. I don't know why, but there, he was in the gym. Uh, in Baku, in the hotel, and he's he's like, <laughs> he goes off in a spiel talking about how he's doing his cardio. It's just so funny. I was like, what? The man's talking like, yeah, my pace is like okay, but it's not. You know, I wasn't feeling that good today, so it wasn't that great. I just like this is hilarious. The man's talking about his cardio in the gym, and then he says, he says, and then I started doing a little bit of weights here and there, but nothing crazy. And I was like, dang, he's really trying to emphasize this. But then he says he sees no Durbeck Abdus that will come in the gym, and the kid goes on the treadmill, or I think it was a treadmill. And he's going at a pace, and he said, I, mean, I don't remember what it was, but it was, to me, it was very impressive. Like, it was like a really good mile pace. And he's like, the kid just ran like hecka fast. And then he was talking about, he was comparing himself. He's like, he's like well, you know, he's a kid, and he has less, 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 ma-. I was like, dude, relax. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's not like that. But I think he was just joking around, right? And then, uh, then others that are like, but at the point, I guess the point is, they were, they're on flights. Uh, these chess players are on flights all the time. They're always flying to different places for the tournaments. It's very difficult. Magnus Carlsen got food poisoning in his match. Uh, before his matches to Pragnananda, and he felt really annoyed. He said in his interviews, like, I ordered, usually I always uh, get 
food, uh, the hotel room service. Or was it something else? I don't remember. But then he said it was taking too long. We didn't have enough time. So I, I just got food. And then I got food poisoning because of that. So he's saying like this is not like. It's kind of annoying. And then Pragnano said I was able to avoid food poisoning because my mom always cooks everything. And then because mom's always with him. So she's like she's just smiling in the back like yeah I bring that good food. I saw these photos by the way. Where it was a photo showing just the mother at the tournament with the, his, her son. Yeah. And they're so they're so cute. This is so adorable yeah, yeah, to see adorable. the mother there supporting the, the you know, 18-year-old, technically not a kid, but let's be honest, 18-year-old's not I, that old. There ain't no way this kid would become this kid without his parents, like, pushing 100%. him, 100%. Right? And they, there was someone, someone showed a picture in, like, 20-something. All of these kids, like, I'm talking literally all of these Indian GMs, plus Vincent Kamer, plus Abdul Sattarov, are were in a different tournament, and they're all, like, 6th graders sitting there. And, like, I think Noderbeck has won a tournament, so he's holding a trophy, and everyone's, like, smiling at the camera, like... What the heck? Because it looks so young. And it's only been a couple... But the thing is, they're like, I don't know how old they are, but like, it's only been a couple of years after that because they're, okay, they're still super young, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. So anyways, uh, good job, uh, Pragnananda. But uh, you'll, get, you'll get the next one. And Magnus Crossing is still a goat. I get, what does that mean if Magnus Crossing is like, oh man, I was on my off game. I was food poisoned. Still beat him though. Still won. Dude, Magnus is a different breed. He lost against Vincent Cameron, but I think after that, he never lost a match. And he... The way he beat... Prognan at the end too was kind of crazy because uh Prognan that's okay that's what i was saying okay it wasn't close in my opinion in my opinion i'm not a chess gm maybe it was but in my opinion i saw i saw the match and i was like this is so brutal because like so uh, usually what happens is black plays defensively and white plays offensively max is already winning the first match he already won the first match and in the in the second match um, they were playing Prognanda's black. He chose the Sicilian defense, which apparently, I mean, I don't know the details, but apparently it's like a really sharp line or whatever. I don't know. It's supposed to be really tactical or what is the word? Like it's attacking or something. I don't know. It's aggressive. Basically, it shows the opponent that he's here to win. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to try to go for a win. Okay. Okay. But the way Magnus played, it just, it just kind of felt sad to me. It was like, after some movements, it was like, there's nothing Prog could do. Like his position was such that like, there's almost nothing he can do. And at the end, Prague is the one that offered the draw. And Max, of course, accepted because I think he already won the first match. So I think he just wins with the, with the point values. And someone, okay. someone, 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 I don't know who it was, like famous GM How said. How common is that actually for like a f- opponent to offer a draw and the other guy to be like, no, I'm beating you. I think that's uh, semi-common. I think normally at these high, high levels of chess, someone's offered a draw. It's, 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 they, they accept. But if you're at a lower tournament and someone has a draw and they're in a losing position, then you might not accept. But in high level, okay. everyone kind of just knows that there is a draw, you know. Okay, so realistically, a person would only offer a draw if they know that in the most realistic outcome, this is going to end in a draw anyways. Yeah, but for example, Magnus, he might choose to reject the draw because he's like an endgame master. So he's like, I can win the endgame and the other person might not. Even though if it's a theoretical draw, he's like, it's I can probably still mm. beat him. That's one of those things. Because Magnus is like, he does this crazy stuff at the end, but whatever. Someone said at the end, like, the the reason why Prague lost is not because he he drew the second match. It's because he lost the first match. He shouldn't have lost the first one. That's kind of like a weird thing to say. But it's like, because he lost the first uh, one, he loses the second one, kind of. So, But he got some experience. Hey, he got, he got some experience, got a cool 80k, and he's guaranteed in the candidates. So there are four out of the eight slots of candidates have been filled now. We have Jan Nepo, runner-up from last year. We have uh, Fabiano Caruana, who got third place this in the World Cup. We have Pragnananda, who got second place. And we have Albasov, who got fourth place. What about Magnus Carlsen? Well, Magnus Carlsen came out and said, "Everyone should go under the assumption that I'm not going to do. Can- I'm not going to play in the candidates tournament." 
He didn't say no, but he said everyone should go on an assumption that I shouldn't play. And the stipulation is, if he doesn't play, then it goes to the fourth player spot, who is Abbaso. Mm. So that's how this young, he's like the, he's the lowest rated player to be in the candidates if he, if he, if he ends up going. He will be the lowest rated player in like, I don't know, like how many years, like 20 years or something like that. Wow. I'm trying to think, why are these chess players who, as far as you're saying, the rank isn't that high, are doing really well in this tournament? Is it just because the way the tournament format is, is it just works in their favor to their play style? Like how I mentioned, like you can have some good days and bad days and the good days line up, you're good. Or is it just like they're underrated? Like they just haven't gotten a chance to get their ELO score up to where they actually are. To be fair, they're still really great players. I don't want to say like they're really low. Like the difference yeah, yeah. is like... We're talking relative here. Relative yeah. to like top level chess. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I would think the reason is because this is a good format for them. I don't think they're underrated at all. Okay. I think it's just the format is really good for them. Or, no, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go down controversial. Route, but let's just say there's something else that might be going on. But whatever. I'm not gonna go. Oh jeez. I'm not gonna all go. Right. I'm not gonna go. Not yet. <laughs> I think I don't even know what you're alluding to, and I don't think I want to know either. So. Okay. Good. That's good. Anyways, just welcome. I was watching the closing ceremony, and dude, it's so awkward. They're all like everyone shaking hands and hugging, and then Fabiano goes up to the podium. They give him the the the, the medal. They make him take a picture with like a I don't know, seemed like a chess mat. Look kind of cool actually. I'll be honest with you. And then uh, Prognana goes. Then Magnus, dude, Magnus is a class act. He's probably super used to this. He walks in, handshakes everyone's hand. He handshakes the people on the podium's hand too, and I felt like that was like a power move. That's kind of cool. And then he gets up on the podium without using the step stool. I gotta give it to him. And then he gets up there, <laughs> they take his picture, and then, dude, after they start playing, they have a huge, like, confetti on, like, these cannons, and then they start playing, we are the champions. I don't know if that was added in the video, but I was like, this is so awkward. Like, <laughs> I'm not even joking. The song ends, and these guys just slowly shuffle out, like, what? It's weird, because when people win, they're usually, like, cheering, like, yeah, let's go, we did it, and they're holding the trophy, and these guys are, like, super stoic, and, like, the music is like, we are the champions. like, what the heck? <laughs> It was that kind of video I wouldn't want to watch. Oh, man, it was a little awkward. That's a real strong secondhand embarrassment, it sounds like. Yeah, Karawana standing up there, he looks so funny. He's like, like an awkward little kid just standing up there. I think that's the one I saw where the photo like showed the mother in like the audience looking oh, so man, happy man. for her kid. So, those photos are so nice to look at, man. They give you the warm fuzzies, it's great. So here's a shot of becoming world champion. A lot of people think he's going to do it because he's young and he's, he's, he's really great. So... Hey, you mean knows? the future? Or you mean like this, the next guy? Uh, next year. Next year, yeah. Oh, well, wow. Exactly. That quickly. It looks like it. It looks like he's, he's one of the highest contenders right now. Someone Imagine. asked uh, on Reddit, like, does Hikaru have plans to be to join the candidates? And Hikaru actually responded in the Reddit thread. Which it's always shocking when people actually respond in the Reddit threads. Or any thread, actually. And he said, uh, he listed out this huge plan that he has. And I'm like, dude, these guys think really hard about tournaments. And they have to. This is his job. But he said, basically, because it's only up to him and Feroja left. For the for for certain ways to qualify, so he was saying it depends how well Froja does in this tournament, and if he does well, then blah blah. If he doesn't, then I guess I'm out. Kind of deal. It was kind of funny, but uh, yeah. there you go. There's still four slots. I thought about that. There must be at the same. Cause like this is this is something I know that happens in like football, like American football, which is the sport I actually follow, where you can have these scenarios where it's like, all right, uh, we'll get in if the other team does poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this other game that we're not involved in, depending on how that goes, determines our fate. Yeah, I guess I never thought that, that would apply to chess as well in like any other sport yeah. game scenario. It makes sense to think about, but it's also kind of disappointing to me to think about it like that. Because it's kind of yeah. like, if you do well enough, you should get in. But then you have to consider the relative strength of everyone else you're playing against. Yeah, That's just the way the world works. All right, well, there you go. Four candidates spots left to go. 
Will who win? Will do. I don't know. Hans Moke. Hans Neiman. I'm kidding. Actually, Hans Neiman update. He's been doing really well now. So he he lost oh. a lot of rating points because um, mm-hmm. he he's doing too many tournaments. But in the last previous tournaments, he did pretty well. So he's getting back up there. Is he still, is he being invited to closed tournaments or are these all open tournaments? No, he's not being invited. But but okay. and he's still not he's still not back to his overall rating. But he's still, he's doing good. Overall trajectory is still high. Right. I think he is scheduled for a tournament where Hikaru Nakamura is also playing, and there's a chance that they get seated together in the first round. I, I don't know what's gonna happen then because will Hikaru be like I ain't playing against him, or will he be like they'll play? I don't know. Ooh, juicy. I'm only first of all I gotta ask you a question. Have you heard of a man, personality, if you may, called Andre Carpati? No. Okay, I'm glad. Because as you said, yes, it, it kind of ruined the allure, but that's good. They said no. Okay. All right. First of all, it's Andre spelled with I'm a so J. I'm so glad I could do my part. Yes. It's Andre spelled with a J. That's A-N-D-R-E-J. It'll be in the show okay. notes. But here's the deal, okay? So a while ago, I was, you know, on, you know, on Twitter. Oh, sorry, on X. And I was relaxing, some you know, looking at some threads, some exit. I don't know what they call these days. I was looking at. I actually them. don't know what this supposed to be called. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was I was looking I was looking through all these things and these posts, and I, and I happened to see some machine learning and computer vision and AI threads. Right, well, that's kind of cool. And this guy's name popped up, Andre Carpati. I was like, all right, he has some pretty hot takes. Well, that's kind of cool. And so I followed the Twitter. Skip a few years or whatever, and I'm on YouTube, and I see his videos. I'm like, oh, he makes YouTube videos. I didn't know that. And he makes some really interesting videos, like and like really intelligent videos. And I'm like, wait, this is a really interesting idea. Like he basically, uh, there's a thing in machine learning called gradient descent. Mm-hmm. It's just like a optimization thing, right? Yeah. And uh, PyTorch, which is this really famous frame- framework, when you do like basically GPT and stuff, ChatGPT is made using PyTorch. So that's yeah. why it's relevant. If you want to make anything AI related, you use PyTorch. Or what's the other one? It's TensorFlow. The other? TensorFlow. That's the other one. Yeah, Google's TensorFlow, PyTorch is Facebook, but usually people use PyTorch. PyTorch is way more popular nowadays. Although I won't deny oh, wow. TensorFlow, but PyTorch is way more popular. It's also used on, almost everywhere in research. So that's kind of interesting to know. ChatGPT is made using PyTorch. Okay, but the point is PyTorch has this really nice thing that I didn't see in TensorFlow, but maybe it has it now. It's called automatic differentiation. So it will do the back propagation or it will do the gradient descent for you. Okay. Is all that, you how have useful to do, is that? All you have to do, like, imagine this. All you have to do is call loss.back or backwards, whatever it's called. And that's it. It will just do everything for you. But in normal machine learning, you have to actually, like, okay, do the chain rule, find out the weights, propagate it backwards, layer by layer. You don't have to do any of that. They just do it for you. Isn't this just, isn't this just like another layer of, ex- of extraction? Nothing crazy to me, it feels like. Oh man, you're insane. When I first heard this, I was like, dang, I don't know how. Actually, when I use them, I was like, how are they doing this? Because, like, yeah, I, I can see it's sort of happening, but this is not so easy. How do they know what my architecture is and how do they know exactly what I'm doing and how are they propagating it backwards? What is the. How do they do Oh, so you, you don't have to pass in, like, any specifics of your setup? You pass in nothing. You just pass. You just call a dot backward, empty parentheses, nothing. Just, just that's it. Mm, okay, that's a bit more impressive then. I thought it's like, you know, you're basically giving it all the information to do the math and stuff that you would have done yourself. But obviously, you are giving it all the information. Otherwise, it's not. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like. Obje- what object are you calling the function yeah. on? That's yeah, yeah, an input. Yeah. So I, technically, it's true that you're giving all the information, but still, it's not so easy to do this. Is what I thought, and I still think to this day. But <laughs> in the why video, phrase, why why did you phrase it that way? 
Well, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about why. Andre Kapai's video, he was actually saying, I'm going to make a micrograd. So it's like auto differentiation, but for a very small number of operations. And he's going to do this and just show how it works. I was like, okay. And dude, the way he explains things and the way he wrote the code and the way he uh, showed how the process works, beautiful. But it shows to me how difficult this problem actually is. It's not that difficult if you're smart, but if you have, if you have, a, if you have a lot of time to work on. But I was thinking, okay, I, I can follow along what he's doing. But if I have to think about doing this myself, it would be very difficult for me to design this. Not that you can't be able to solve it, but it's difficult to design it correctly. Are you saying it's one of those situations where it's easy to see the correct path once someone else has already walked it, but having to make that path is the hard part? Yeah, so let's say I've seen the video. So can I do yeah. it? Can I make micrograd myself now? And it's like, sure, but it would take me a very long time and I, it might still not be correct like in the most optimal way. Mm-hmm. Because it's not such an easy problem. You have to really think through a lot of these things. So I just thought it was a really clever idea, a really interesting idea. And this automatic differentiation is, is, a, is, a, is a step that's super useful that you don't have to worry about anymore. So that's really nice to have. Okay, so this is basically I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to I'm trying to talk about how I met, how I heard about this guy. Okay, so I've heard of Andre Karpati through these channels. Now, I, later on, I, you know, I went to search him up. I want to see who, who is this guy. So, he's actually he at the time he was known for being the senior director of artificial intelligence and autopilot at Tesla. Oh, okay. I had no idea. Literally, had no idea this guy was that. But there you go. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, but he did a lot of other cool stuff. Like, so I was reading his history, right? He went to, he went to University of Toronto, then British Columbia. So he's actually, he's actually Slovakian Canadian. So take that as you will. And he did his PhD at Stanford, uh, which I'll get to later. And currently, and he's also a founding member of OpenAI. This is kind of relevant. He's a founding member of OpenAI. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. He left OpenAI to go to Tesla and then he left Tesla to go back to OpenAI. So right now he's currently at OpenAI. Okay. He is one of the inventors of GPT-4, like, you know, the, the actual GPT that's used, like, one of the big okay. ones that's used so in the So, he's hands-on on with that itself, okay. Yeah, so he's a very smart man. He does, he does, he's, pretty, he's pretty smart. He's a little clever. He knows his know? stuff, okay, yeah. He knows his stuff. He's, he's there. And that's how I know about him. Now, why am I talking about him today? Because I, I already knew this stuff, like, a long time ago. Why am I talking about him today? So, what happened, what happened is I'm taking a class this semester, and it's about deep, machine learning, deep learning, okay? Mm-hmm. And the the lectures are okay, they're decent, you know. It's, it's only started, so I, you know, whatever. But I felt like it's not that great. So I asked the professor, like, do you have any supplementary resources? Something I can look, you know, something I can figure out. And I don't even have to ask him because on the slide that he's posted, he said in the bottom right corner it says slides adapted from CS two thirty one N. And okay, it's like a barcode thing. Okay. No, it's like it's like a course name, like CS two thirty one N. Oh, okay. The thing is, that course name is, is really famous. Actually, I, I already heard of the course before I saw it on the slides. I already knew that was a course that existed. It's a very famous course. It's a very famous course from, in Stanford. Ooh. Or from Stanford. And it was created by Andre Karpati. So I actually, I didn't know this at the time, but I read this like, oh, that's fine. I went to YouTube. That's what you do, right? I put in the course name and I want to see if there was any inf- inf- material on there. And what I found was the entire 2016, winter 2016, and I think summer 2017, but don't quote me on that, is on YouTube. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's like officially on there, like on like the Stanford YouTube channel thing, or it's just like some kid in the class so, has put up a tripod? It isn't an official channel, but the it, it is Andre Karpati's channel. Well, it says his name in the title. I don't know if it's actually his, but it says his name. Okay. It seems to be affiliated with 
but may not actually be affiliated with. Yeah, but I think I think it would be. Um, the thing is, I I wasn't sure if I was gonna do this 2016, like if I was gonna watch the 2016 course. I mean, it's still a lot of videos, still like hour long content, or if I should just do the 2017 one, or should I just skip it overall? Because machine learning is such a fast growing thing. The thing in 2016 is totally different in 2023. Like, there's a lot of differences that happen. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's outdated. Significantly outdated, most some would say. Or most would say, actually. Yeah, in fact, the first lecture... So, I was watching the first lecture just for... It was it was by Fei-Fei Li, who's also a famous person, director of Twitter, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to go that deep into these people. But these, these are really famous people, okay? Let's go with that. Uh, in the, in the academic world. And also, not just academic world, if you think about it. But whatever. She was doing the first lecture. She was talking about introduction of computer vision, etc. And she mentioned that... well. First of all, man, dude, these guys, I thought I thought some of my schools were crazy. These guys are like, Stanford's the best school, you know, because we invented everything. And she's like talking about every single thing in Stanford. I was like, relax, bro. I get it. I get it. They're really good. Okay, chill. What is up with the colleges doing that? Like, I get it. I get doing it as like a, a publicity thing. Like, if you're sending out flyers to like soon-to-be uh, college students who are yeah. picking what schools to apply to. Okay, talk about all the amazing things this college has been a part of. If you're in the lecture for like... A specific course. Why is the professor up there like, hey, oh, we invented this. We did this. We Like, 60 years before you were born, we did this. Like, I don't care. Teach me the thing that I'm here to learn. You know, it's nice to know history. But I guess they're very proud of their school. So I won't deny that. But it's like, man, it's a, it's a little one of those, like, you know, relax. But uh, it's, it's cool. It's cool. So she uh, she was talking about that. But she said that Honor Karpati was her student. So I didn't know this either. But uh, Honor Karpati was a PhD student under her. Okay, so that was the main. Oh, okay. So idea. you're going to like the mentor of the person. Okay. Yeah, and it turns out the honor Karate was also teaching the 2016 version. That's another reason why I chose to to listen to this course and rather than like another version, just because I like I like his teaching style. He talks super fast, and I really like that. Like some people seem to be like, oh, he talks so fast. I gotta lower. I gotta slow it down. Like I love that. He talks fast. He's a little bit of an accent, but it's almost dist- Like it's you can. It's not that bad. And he the way he teaches is excellent. So the first. First lecture happened. I'm gonna skip through that. It was a great lecture though. Um, second lecture was on your Kapali, and so I, I continued listening anyway. So I was like, let me just. See. I mean, like 80 percent of the material were probably the same though, because like you know, it's basic stuff. It's not like that complicated. I mean, it is complicated, but it's not that complicated. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's not really that modern. This teaching style of Andre Karpati is very, very good. He teaches it in a way that kind of like is discovery. You know, like he wants you to discover yourself, but he like for he like he helps you create that discovery. So he's like, he asks you questions, try to make you explore the space that he's teaching and try to get mm-hmm. your mind into it. So I, I I like the style. All right. First lecture done. Second lecture. I'm in the second lecture. I'm listening. Yeah, yeah, this is nice. Okay, maybe it was the third one. I don't know exactly know which one. I look at the comments. I want to see what people are thinking. Some people are summarizing their thoughts. They're putting time steps. I see this comment and it's so weird to me. The comment says, from when I was 12 years old, I was watching something, but like some, I was watching your speed cubing tutorials and now I'm... Now I'm watching your AI thing. I was like, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa speed What? This guy did speed cubing? How is this man the intersection of everything you do? <laughs> I know, right? I go, I click on like, so there's a, there's a reply to these comments. And the guy said, oh yeah, this guy was bad Mephisto. I was like, what? So. Wait, wait, wait what was his username? It's called bad Mephisto. Okay. All right. That's going to follow him forever. I don't know if I mentioned this in the Rubik's Cube discussion that we had, uh, you know, in, in, in I, don't, I don't remember which episode, but mm-hmm. Bad Mephisto, I actually went to YouTube and I'm subscribed to Bad Mephisto already. <laughs> You're already subscribed to, okay. And I was like, wait a minute, where do I remember this name? And I, I've been inspired for a long time, but he hasn't posted in like 10 years or something. 
I look when at his did you latest. Subscribe? Did you subscribe recently or did you subscribe? No, a long no, no. Time I had subscribed a long time ago. Okay. This is just one of those things where someone's talking about, and it's, it's weird. I was like, wait, what? This is him? No, this is not him. I click on the latest video, which is ten years ago, whatever. And he was saying, where has Bad Mephisto been? And he's he's basically giving a day in the life, like a vlog. And he's saying, at this moment, he's talking. I'm like, does that really sound like him? I'm trying to think. Like, is it really him? I'm still not 100 percent sure, because you know maybe it is, but it's. Eh. Uh, it's been 10 years. And he was saying, um, by the way, he's a Stanford PhD uh, student at the time. He's interning at Google. He actually interned at different three Google, <laughs> at three different Google places, like Google Brain, Google Research and stuff. And he's uh, working in the, he was working at Google Glass. That's interesting, right? Because that product. Oh, never happened. <laughs> oh yeah. Dude, I'm trying to think, where was I when Google Glass was like still like big? I think I was in high school back then. Jeez. Yeah. So he he looked in the mirror and he was holding the Google Glass and he was recording through the Google Glass and he looked just like Andre Kapadi. Like, so, so I was like, so this man's Andre Kapadi the whole time. Uh, and he goes, they didn't laugh and whatnot. But I was like, there's no way. He, this guy. So there was an interview by Felix Zemdex. Felix Zemdex is like the goat of speed cubing. He, he had an interview with asking him, how did you learn how to speed cube? And he said, I was watching Bad Mephisto's tutorials. He watched this guy's YouTube channel to become the best at speed cubing. I'm not even joking. This is not... This is, this is, what is this? The simulation's breaking down, dude. I just can't believe it. It's like... I'm, I'm like retracing your steps of how you got to this guy. And like... It's like... You had 20 chances to like... Figure this guy out. Or like... To find this guy. And this is the route that you got to knowing him. Like... To find out about him. It's, it's actually crazy. A, like a footnote on a lecture slide. Is what we got to there. Seriously, and then the comment in the YouTube channel, and my God, I couldn't believe that the goat of speed cubing is related to, like, where he learned from this guy who's like a legend in computer vision and like, you know machine learning and stuff. It's it's just, what? How does that relate? You know, like they have like the the we talked about this before, like the the Bacon number, the Kevin Bacon number. Yeah, it's yeah. like how many movies do you have to get to before you're in a movie with Kevin Bacon? This feels like one of those kind of things where it's just like. It's like, okay, the speed cubing guy, you're connected to like the, the king of speed cubing because of a footnote on a lecture slide that your professor wrote. Man, this is, I, yeah, when you say it like that, it's kind of crazy. Whew, I don't know. But I would recommend his courses. And I when I when I first when I first had this realization, literally like it was like last night or something, I was like I was like mind blown. I had to like stand up and walk around for a few seconds. So that's, it's kinda of crazy. Like, you know, these things collide. It's like, yeah, it's like I, I think like you stood up and be like, Oh my god, this is oh like what are the odds? This is so insane. Put on the topic sheet. But I get yeah, that I had to put it right away. But also like I, I couldn't believe that this guy is bad Mephisto. And I, I, I would like it was, it was like imagine imagine my realization, right? When the guy wrote Bad Mephisto, I was like, that looks kind of familiar. I searched the YouTube channel up. And I'm already subscribed. I'm like, wait, I'm already subscribed? <laughs> and then I realized, wait a minute, this guy was a speed keeper, dude. He's had his in like 10 years. I confirmed it's him, and I'm like, what the heck? And then I realized that, I remember that Felix Zemdek said this about him, and I'm like, oh. Ooh. See, I can't even imagine what that must feel like, because I've had like the smaller version of that, like way smaller, and that's been like, oh, whoa, what the? To me. So having this happen is like insane. I wish like, I could closest, piece it together. The closest faster. I've ever gotten was like, I was following two YouTube channels, only to find out that they're actually by the same person. That's the closest I've ever gotten. But you didn't know they were the same person? No. Because in one of them, he uses a voice modulator. Oh, okay, okay. And so, like, and he, because he did, he did that, like, a long time ago, it was one of those things where, like, he played a character. It's one of those kind of scenarios, right? 
where he's playing a character and so he's yeah. a voice monitor. And then this other channel that I found completely independently of the first one, I find out years later that they're both the same person. And that's like super small scale compared to what you're describing. And that blew my mind. It's very similar, but yeah. Man, it's insane. I would recommend following his blog. He, he, he has some pretty interesting takes. Uh, in, in fact, the recent one that I saw was the Code Llama 2 thing. Uh, I think I told you guys this. I, I told I told Molly this, but like Facebook released Code Llama 2, which is basically a... I would say it's a competitor to ChatGPT for programming specifically. Uh, and they claim that they're better than them. And Anir Karpai tweeted this. And he said, in his tweet, he said, wow, so another Facebook paper that's has a vague uh, description of the model has outperforms every other model with insane test results has great you know has great results and it's it's all it's all around amazing very impressive and it really to me <laughs> it felt incredibly sarcastic and he it felt like he didn't believe it uh, but then yeah 100 percent. that's what it sounds like there's a bit of conflict of interest though because i mean he, he did open AI. AI. yeah I mean, he founded open yeah. AI. Loud. so there is there is that thing it was funny too because in, in his in his like one of his videos he was talking about uh, how there was a deep mind thing and I was like, how connected is this guy? He must be really connected with a lot of people like like in like these really heavy academic settings, and not just that, but now industry settings because he worked in Tesla for a long time. Yeah, he must just know a lot of people, especially in the AI space. Yeah, yeah. What must it be like to be like in a room with all these people, especially because right now AI is like going through this boom. Honestly, I can't imagine, but it's kind of a. Uh... What do you think started the AI boom? Was it ChatGPT or was it like the Dolly stuff beforehand? The art stuff? Is you mean that like people... cur- currently? Yeah, the, like the current boom, the modern boom. Because like I know, like the because like technology behind all of it's not that that new. Yeah, what do you mean by not that new? Like we're talking like less than ten years new. Yeah, less than ten years new. But like what? Like I feel like the Dolly stuff, we could do something close to that for a long time. Like the art stuff. But now all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh my god, stable diffusion, da da da. To me, that's why I feel like that's what the boom started. That's, like, that's when like people started talking about AI as like a genuine thing, as opposed to just like this kind of like mythical idea of something that could affect our lives in the future. To like, oh, it's here now. Uh, let me find something. To me, it feels like the art was like the one thing that finally made click. When people could see like you could type a sentence into a computer and it could make a piece of art that... This is perfect to the description. Okay, so... But the art thing... Okay, I'm, I'm trying to think about this. Uh, and I would say the art thing really only boomed because of the rise of the Transformer model. And this is my assumption. I don't know if that's true or not. Okay, okay, yeah. I, I, I can accept that. The Transformer model officially was published in 2017. Yeah. Paper. Yeah. So it takes a couple of years for people to actually start using it and being like, okay, mm-hmm. it's worth it's worthwhile. So relative to now, it's it's pretty recent. But yeah, I think you're right that because of the arts and because ChatGPT came out, um, AI boom is huge right now. But this boom could only have happened because the accuracies were so increased and and really done well because of deep learning models. So it's one of the, it's 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 kind of weird to think about because there was an AI boom back in the eighties, yeah, or some of that. Then there was a AI winter they call it where nothing happened because people thought this is worthless. Then it got a revival where people were like, wait a minute, maybe this maybe this is useful. And in twenty twelve, 
there was a competition, but I can't remember the full details, but someone won the competition and they had increased the accuracy or the error rate had decreased by like 50%. Like it had, it, 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 it was a huge jump. Then usually goes mm-hmm. like a little bit, 1%, 2%, whatever. This was a massive jump. And in 2012, that was because of the, I think that was because of convolutional nets. I don't actually remember what it was. Like it was like some using Ooh, some kind convolutions. of convolutions. Yeah, it was some kind of architecture that was not used before. And it was a huge jump. And, and that's because like the of norm that people, now. yeah, and that's completely the norm now. Now everyone's like almost exclusively using convolutional nets, like for for specific tasks. Computer vision, especially. Yeah, it used to be feature based learning. Now it's that's almost. I don't know if it's gone because they still teach it in classes. Like I still have to learn that a little bit, but they really skim through that. They're like, this is a thing, done. They don't care about it anymore. It feels more like a history lesson. This, this was the thing yeah. that led to this other thing, which is what we use. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the future going forward because this is a... Uh, they're loving... The, the computers are reaching the levels of accuracy that's better than humans. So the benchmark yep. is getting kind of weird. They're like, okay, here's a human benchmark, which is at like 5% or whatever. And here's the AI, which is like 0.07% or some crazy number. Dude, it was back in like 20... I want to say 2013, 2014, where I remember Facebook... I don't know if they actually gave the model out or anything, but they claimed that their face recognition software that could like recognize is this person, this other person in this photo, like basically yeah. can you recognize the same face across photos, was like 0.5% worse than humans. And this is like 10 plus years ago. So I assume by now, I mean, maybe it's one of those things where the, you know, the last 20% takes 80% of the work. Yeah. And be. so it, it hasn't improved that much since. But surely it must be better than humans by like a significant margin by now. Yeah, I think it would be definitely better. Uh, and another thing is right now, something that's really hip right now is called stable diffusion. It's like what you mentioned, like the art, like you can have like different art styles or you can create humans that don't exist or like animals that don't exist. The animals kind yep. of spooked me out one time. I saw, I saw I saw an image of like, here's a cat that doesn't exist. It's just a normal cat. But the, yeah, to yeah. me, it's like, I would I mean, never know. Is that website still up? Hold on. There's a website I, I, remember I shared with you way back. When this is like more new, uh, this. I just want to see the. I just want to check if the website's still up because the website might not be up anymore. Yeah, still up. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. It's this person does not exist dot com. Oh right, where right. The right, whole right. gimmick of the website is whenever you go to, whenever you reload the page, it shows you a photo, like a photorealistic photo of a person that doesn't exist. It's purely AI driven. It makes a person. And this was like, I want to say this was also probably like 10 plus years ago now. But obviously it's way better than it was back then. Like I'm looking at these and like, these are, these would fool me way better. Yeah, I've seen this person, dude. (laughs) 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 Nah, I'm joking around. Uh, this, I mean, I cannot tell the difference. I'm looking at the, yeah, I'm looking at the glasses. I remember when I, the first time I found this website, which is like at least five, six years ago, we were definitely back in like, we were definitely undergrads back then. So this was a long time ago. But I remember the glasses were like the biggest weakness. Whenever there was a photo with glasses, you could tell that's not, that's an AI photo. But now I'm, I'm, I'm skimming through them just like refreshing over and over. And like, it's, the glasses have gotten good. They're not perfect still. Some of them still have like signs, but you know, 99 times out of 100, the glasses look good. Dude, these are so good. It's kind of scary. Like, you could just take one of these photos and take a profile picture and, like, use it as like, a profile picture and pretend like you're an actual human, right? Exactly. These, I could easily make a Facebook account with these pictures and be like, yeah, yeah, that's me, of course. And, uh, what are we gonna do? Dude, there's a lot of kids on here. What the heck? There are a surprising number of kids on here, yes. I don't see any... 
I, I see a lot of white people, but I don't see many. I see Asians that, that, too, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. There's something like people, a lot of people are talking about now. When like you go to like stable diffusion, you put in a prompt for like show me. Like, the example I saw was show me an artistic person, right? A, a cartoon stylist and of someone with autism, right? And it's almost always a depressed looking white little kid. Like it's always that. Dang. That's what they see. That's what the autism. Yeah, I, I don't see a single black or even brown person. I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple more colored people, but even then, oh, like, yeah. they I'm are sorry. rare. They're definitely rare. And yeah. I don't know if that's just, like, the training data they had just had more. Or, like, that's I'm not what sure it what it was. That's probably what it is. I feel like it's not... You know what would be kind of crazy? You can, like, start merging ethnicities. Because these people look very realistic. They look like yes. ethnicities that you know. But imagine you have someone with the features of a white person. Or the features mm-hmm. of a brown person, and then you make them a different. They just change, just, just change color. the skin tone. Skin tone, or even okay. different. Um... I remember that was like a thing where like people were pointing out, and it happens a lot, like in games. Really? Where at least early on it did. I, I don't think it's that common now because mostly because it gets a lot of backlash. So people don't do it, but like they would make a model of clearly like one race, and then to represent the other race, they would just change the skin tone, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And people would just look at them like doesn't look right, doesn't look. The way like most people would look, like, you can't just change the skin tone of a character and be like that. Hey, it's a new character. Yeah, they're just not that used to it. But I saw there was a really famous case of this Indian family living in well, in India, and they were they had alb- albinoism, I think. But people people said they looked just like they were Polish. Oh, so they 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 passed as Polish because just the skin, just with skin tone changes, that's it. Just with the albin al al albin albinoism, they looked because their features were that similar. That they look just like mm. they're Polish. That I thought was a, very interesting. There's something there, and I wonder. Like, uh, well, we get to the AI discussion a lot, but it's it, this is we a do. really really great fair, time. Yeah, it's it's a big explosive thing right now, and also it's what we studied. So like, it's AI a big part section. of our lives specifically. Yeah, AI. I thought AI our boom already happened and is done, but man, it's only it's only going stronger right now. It's crazy. There's so many things every year. I saw this like paper thing. Like, there was a boom, like an exponential boom of, like, how many papers are released every year now for AI specifically. So people are really trying to explore the space, trying to get deep into it. A lot of money to be had, you know? A lot of money to be had. A lot of lives are probably going to change, for better or for worse. Already right now, kids are using ChatGPT to write their essays and stuff. Like, why would they not? I mean, the whole the writer strike and the actor strike is seems very... Like, I know a lot of the discussion is also around the residuals from streaming services. But it seems like what really was like the straw that broke the camel's back was the AI stuff. I didn't think AI was that strong enough to, to replace writers, though. Is it really a thing? People are really, really thinking about this? I think it's it's reached a point where, like, it's the thin side of the wedge, you know? Uh, where, like, if they let this in, you know, you give an inch, they'll take a mile kind of thing. Okay. That hasn't been resolved yet, right? No, no. That's the structure as of right now is still going. And it seems like they're going to go for a while. I think even the last writer's strike lasted a couple months at least. So, But imagine being that person that makes the decision because, like, you see how strong these chat TPT models are. Like, do you really... Then you start really thinking, like, do you really need these writers? Can it really just get rid of that? But then it's like, this is a lot... This is a huge thing to say then. Like... Yeah. Is anyone thinks like... It, it feels like the the one ring in the in Lord of the Rings was just like, it whispers into your ear and you're oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I could do it. I could do it. We could get away with it. And, like, it corrupts your mind. But I mean, I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't call it sinister or like you know insidious. I would just say like it's a. Mm, 
Why is it? Why is it evil? If they're using. AI I would. To... I would say it's evil when the. Uh, yeah, do you not? Know, have you not heard the quote? Like the. Uh, I forget exactly who it was. I don't think we know who it was. It was like a just a um, letter sent out, but it was just like they said their their current plan is just to wait until the writers start losing their homes, and then eventually they'll have to agree to our deal. Like that's like that's like super villain from a movie whoa, levels whoa. of insane. Okay, I don't. I, to be fair, I don't know the full details of the writer strike. I was just saying specifically for the AI part, like. Mm-hmm. There's a whispering of like, do you want to just use AI instead of these people? And but I and is it the shortcut, right? It's like you wanted the shortcut. Shortcuts are very appealing to people. Man, at one point, like even programmers, they're not. No one's safe. Like if if like if if their job goes away, like what are you gonna do? Like that's a crazy part. What are you gonna do? There's not gonna be that many jobs because like well, AI is doing it for you. How are you gonna make yeah, money? It's... How are you gonna live? Yeah, we're gonna have to switch from capitalism. I, I think capitalism is not gonna work later on because like. You really think so? That's, that's what you think? All right. At some we'll point, robots and machines are going to do everything. So it does reach that thing where, like, what do you do when there when there's literally no job a human can't? It's like every job is replaced. Like every single like I'm talking. This is real like end game stuff. We're nowhere near that right now. Yeah. But like, what happens when like literally not a single job exists on Earth because a robot can do it better? Not a single one. Like something's got to give, right? And not just that, but I was thinking even in more re- uh, recent times. What if so many of the, like, basic jobs are taken away from, ro- like, by robots? Like, for example, the kiosks at, like, fast food places, the mm-hmm. making of the food items just made by, made by robots, uh, cleaning by robots, everything's done by robots, and then almost all of the semi-hard stuff are done by robots, like, even stuff like making laws, basic stuff like that, done by robot like, automatically. There is no- almost nothing for the average Joe to do, except maybe work in the factory and make these robots. Like... Just think about that. You know? Like, <laughs> the like is, is it isn't like making robots or ma- like car manufacturing already mostly automated? Isn't that already yeah. mostly done by robots? Yeah, but that's. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of psychopath. Okay, I'm sorry, but <laughs> but I, I'm not, I'm not, it's not true. But I was just I was just something something interesting, which is like in psychopaths, they're like, okay, this is your job. Like you're at, you're perfectly after for this skill set, but there could be a, a certain time where you're perfectly after for being like an English teacher. But there are just too many English teachers. We don't need you right now. So then you just go into work in the factory. Because that's mm-hmm. that's more relevant to society. So that's... Uh, I don't want to get to that point. But, you know. We're here. AI is here. It is definitely... I, I do wonder, like... Is this what the people who... Like, first... Like, you know the uh, the Luddites? From, like, the Industrial Revolution? When, like, machines first started, like... Uh, enough, yeah, I'm looking at the face. I'm sorry. Yes, no, I, too, I, I'm I don't know history. So... Basically, when the Industrial Revolution happened, right, like, for example, the uh, weaving fabric was a thing that a person would have to do. And then eventually they made a machine that can weave the fabric for you. And then a bunch of people lost their jobs because, you know, it was no longer a job that was needed. Someone who can weave fabric, the machine can do it by itself. And so people, like, went in, like, destroyed the machines to protest to keep their jobs and stuff. And, like, history kind of looks back at those people like, oh, man, they were like weirdos for destroying those machines. And it's like, and like, because obviously in the future you can look back and be like, okay, yeah, the fabric weavers lost their job, sure, but like they could have got, they could go get other jobs, so it's fine. And it's like, are we just at that next step level of that? And is, will it, will everything be fine in the end? And then I wonder, was everything fine for the fabric weavers back then, or did they just like lose their jobs, suffered, died, and then n- new people who grew up didn't need fabric weavers, so they just kind of like fell by the wayside and they disappeared from history. Look at history like, repeating itself. Did it even work out well for them back then? 
that's a great point. I, I, I'm curious. To, I'm curious to know what happened to them, because even right now I'm, I'm feeling like we're we're at that cusp, like you're saying. If if let's just let's let's say I'm the basket weaver or like the the fabric weaver, and this happens to me, like this is a skill set that I've honed through years of like working, right? And yeah. I, 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 I this is all I know how to do. Now it's gone, and I'm like I'm replaced. There's like, I don't sure, know what else to do. The next three generations from you will be fine without fabric weavers, with robotic fabric weavers. Right, they can look back and be like, "Oh, we didn't need fabric weavers in the end, anyways. It's, everything's fine." Yeah. But in that moment, you, as the fabric weaver who lost their job, what happens to you? Yeah, and even the person in the future, this is an this is no longer an option for them to go into fabric weaving. But yeah. there will, but it might still be beneficial. You know, every once in a while to attach someone that actually knows how to do it in case you know whatever reason. But you don't need to. So this is a. Uh... I don't know. So, uh, progress is really nice. I always say go for progress. Like I even say, like screw the ethics. But like, but the thing is, like, there is a line. <laughs> Jeez, okay, uh, <laughs> hypothetically, but there is a line. You have to you have to consider. Uh, but it's it's difficult to know where that is. Yep, it's one of things where like, sometimes I'm like, oh, it, it, things will be fine. It'll work out just the way it worked out for the fabric weavers, like in the long run. But uh, is it wrong to ignore the short term then? Right, no. every fabric weaver like died. Because of that change. But then, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, now we can look back and be like, hey, everything worked out. It's fine. And then also, maybe we're wrong. Like, maybe this time it's different. Right? Like, the CGP Gray's video, like, uh, humans need not apply. That was, like, the one where... And he even says, like, he's willing to admit he could be wrong. But he does feel like this is a different kind of change. Like, there's, some, there's something unique about this change. Because it's a, it's a change of intelligence as opposed to just physical I think it's a merger of both. Like, uh, the, especially with computer vision getting so strong, now robots can do a lot more tasks that people thought they originally couldn't do. Uh, at some point, they're gonna be replacing surgeons. It's like, what are you gonna do then, dude? Maybe you're gonna have like universal basic income kind of deal, right? But then that's like, it's like a stipend, and it's like I don't know how it work for the economy kind of deal either. And some people don't even want that. They don't even like that idea. So, anyways, we'll see what happens in the future. That's kind of like not our problem, but it might be. We'll find out whether we want to or not. Yeah. Alright, that brings us to the end of episode 147. In classic time sync fashion, it ended in a very disturbing, kind of concerning way. Kurzgesagt effect, as I like to say. Uh, watch Andre Karpati's videos. He's really funny. Which one? Really Speedcubing ones? Or, uh... His CS231 and... Uh, if you're... His Speedcubing ones are really good too. Actually, they hold up pretty well. But his if you have a little, if you have some background on machine learning, I would heavily recommend CS231N. That course on YouTube is really good. Immaculate. <laughs> Looking at you, Emily. Immaculate. All right, I'm gonna sign See off. You. Beautiful.